Last Sunday, I had the opportunity in the afternoon uh, to spend some time with one of my sisters and her three kids. It's an annual tradition that we always go uh, to Valley Fair. We're having, we're having a great time. Some of them go on roller coasters. Actually, I love roller coasters. But right around 4 o'clock, my sister looked at me. She said, hey, are the, are the Vikings playing today? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they're going to lose or something like, like that. And they go, who? she goes, well, who are they playing? I go, I think they're playing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. She looks at me and she goes, does that mean that Taylor Swift is at the game? Which is the most popular question. And not only she asked that, my, my niece Genevieve, her eyes lit up and she's like, is she there, Uncle Alex? And I went, I'm not a Swifty. I have no idea at all. But of course we know that kind of dominated the conversation. It's dominating the news cycle these days a little bit as well, at least in entertainment ways. We know something else is dominating the news cycle as well, which we need to pray for. But it reminds me, at least this conversation about, about Taylor Swift, you know, how hysterical we got back in June, or some people did, we could say, when she was coming to town uh, for the concert, how the whole city seems like we were, we were excited for this opportunity. If you were lucky enough, maybe you could say, to have, to have tickets at 70,000 people for two nights in a row were able to, to go, and not only that, were they not only able to go, but they, they got dressed up. They got their, their hair done. It was the thing they were looking forward to the most. And, and I'm not, this, by the way, the homily today is not bashing Taylor Swift. That's not the point uh, of the homily. But I can't help but notice how excited some people we get to go to events, even to the point of, in this case, getting their hair done, getting dressed up, for a person. Do we get this excited? Do we get dressed up for God? See, when we come to Mass, by the way, it's not just a, we're not here to be entertained. We're here to worship. And not only that, we get to receive the Lord. We get to share in his divinity that he's inviting us into this relationship. So something to ponder there. I want, I want to dive deeper into this parable because it's really amazing if you think about it. It's this, this royal wedding banquet. And there's some amazing things that happen that actually just don't make sense. Now, by the way, anytime we, think of, we hear of a wedding banquet, we should be thinking in our mind of the wedding banquet that God wants to have with us. You see, Jesus is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. And he wants to enter into this covenant with us. He invites us into this covenant. And so Jesus uses this parable of this king who's going to throw a wedding feast for his son. So you know, in modern times, you know, 10, 12 years ago, we had, of course, the royal wedding between uh, Princess William, I believe, and Kate Middleton. Now imagine if all of a sudden you would have been 12 years ago, well, let's make it modern day. Let's say that Taylor Swift does get married to Travis Kelsey. Whatever. <laughs> Be interesting, right? And you got invited to go to the wedding. Would you turn that down? Not a chance. You'd want to go and experience that, that, that banquet. And yet today, in this parable... The king is having a banquet for his son. This will be the wedding of, the, of your life. And something kind of strange happens. They turn it down. 
And so the king invites them again. And he says, hey, I just want to let you know what this banquet's going to be like. Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. So what the king is making reference to here, again, this is a parable, so to put it in Old Testament context, is to our first reading from Isaiah chapter 25. This beautiful reading where it says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy fat food and pure choice wines. So even that, that, that word of, of this rich food, this, this, this fat food, we could say is what? That's that sacrificial offering. And this is what the king is saying in this parable as well. These fattened calves are ready for us to partake of. But the prophet Isaiah goes even farther. On this mountain, once again, mountain, we should think hillside, we should think Jerusalem. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. This is what this parable is in reference to. Jesus telling the Israelites that the Lord has invited them into this wedding banquet. And what type of wedding banquet is it, by the way? It is a sacrificial banquet. So we know it's an offering up to God. But that's not all. We also know that it's a supernatural banquet. What does that mean? Supernatural means that it, as we heard from the prophet Isaiah, destroys death forever. This banquet is an eternal banquet of being one in the kingdom of God. It has no end. The party, we could say, does not come to an end. You know, once again, going back, we're just going to beat that a little bit more, going back to Taylor Swift. When my, my, my niece went to that concert, so my sister, it was great. They had a great time. But as you tell afterwards, all of a sudden, there was kind of that, that letdown. We've all experienced that before, Right? We're looking forward to that vacation. We're looking forward to that, that promotion. We're looking forward for a lot of our students to graduation. And then it happens. And you think, what next? But in this eternal banquet of God, it's eternal. It's this celebration, this relationship that takes care of us forever. And yet these servants, what do they do? They ignore this invitation. The Israelites, we know, do this. Some ignored, some mistreated the servants. Some even, we could say, when they ignored it, they mistreated them, that they killed them. Let's so go back to the Old Testament. This is what the Israelites did. And the other ones that ignored, that'd be like us all of a sudden, once again, getting that invitation to that, that royal wedding feast. Be like, nope, I, I can't make it. I gotta, I gotta respond to some emails. Or I gotta work on my hobby train set. That's what they're choosing other than this banquet. Now God, in his infinite love and mercy, says, okay, the Israelites, my chosen people, have rejected this invitation. So now I'm going to give it to everyone, the bad and the good. They go out into the streets. God invites what? The Gentiles, the non-believers. And he says, come, I want you to experience 
this banquet. I want you to experience this covenant. I want to enter into relationship with you because I want to give you life, life eternal. And so they all come into the hall. But then once again, there's that, that kind of stark reality of someone there without the proper wedding garment. What does that mean? So I mean, he wasn't dressed properly? Oh, yes, because you'd actually have to wear, there was a wedding banquet, a wedding garment you'd wear to, to a banquet. And some traditions still have that, by the way, where you wear cultural dresses, it's beautiful. But in this case, at least in the parable, what it's making reference to for us is what does that wedding garment look like? Well, two things we could say. Number one, it's in reference to that baptismal garment. We go back to when a child is baptized, or even an adult is baptized. After the baptism, what do they do? They put on that white garment that signifies that they have been washed clean of that original sin, that they have been purified. And then what do we say in there? Bring this unstained into eternal, eternal life. Throughout our life to keep it unstained. How do we do that? Well, one of the ways, and the most important way, is by putting on the works of Christ. Putting on the works of charity. You see, our faith is not only a saying yes to God, as we heard in different parables. It's words and actions. That we put those together, our faith and our works together. That we say yes to this invitation. And then we truly live for Christ, making him our center, making him our God. And him giving us what? Once again, he gives us life. He gives us life eternal. And we also know from experience, if all we are seeking out in this world are worldly things, it's never truly going to fulfill us. We'll just be going from one concert to the next, from one meal to the next, from one vacation or job or whatever it may be. It's not truly going to bring us fulfillment. Only God does. Why? Said many times, St. Augustine says, our heart is restless until it rests in God. And this is why he's inviting us into this covenant, saying, come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome, and I will give you rest, not just for an hour, not just for a year, but eternally. And so my brothers and sisters, as we dive into this parable, and hopefully think about it this week, dive into this. God is inviting you into a covenant of love, into a covenant of him entering into this relationship with you. But he gives us a choice. He gives us free will. Are we going to accept this invitation or not? And if we do, and I hope we do, by the way, if we do say yes to this relationship, may it not only be in words, but in actions. And when we do this, we know what's going to happen. We're going to be fulfilled, not just in this world, but eternally as well.